0: Hello, everybody. It's I, your friendly neighborhood INFp, otherwise known as Sam. I am here once again with the lovely Joyce, who runs Type Talk over on her channel. Link will be down in the description below. Um, one of the things what, that she does is she interviews a lot of people on the MBTI sphere, and obviously, um, the joke is is that nobody's interviewing her and then i was like but wait what if i was the one to interview her and uh now she's back to answer some questions and uh get we get to know her a little better uh so thanks for joining us me (laughs) community i'm happy to be here samuel yeah um so the everybody get Gets interested in MBTI for various different reasons, personality types for various person, no reasons. Uh, I have always been interested in uh, personality type stuff, even since high school, and I'd almost want to say junior high, but it's more likely high school that it really started coming up because back in the early days of the internet you had the whole um, forums and questionnaires and what type is this and what type of you and what aura do you have and what, what does your color say about you? And, what you know, like back in the Wild West times when those kinds of questions were starting to explode out into the internet and people were starting to make their own little questions about absolutely everything and I still still kind of exists, but not as... Frequently, as it once did. So, with that being said, how did you yourself get into the whole psychology, MBTI sphere, and all of that?
1: Yeah, I was 14, and my ENFP best friend typed me and everyone we knew. And she told me, Well, you could take a test, but tests are wrong. I already know your type. She had a sense of pride from knowing me better than I knew myself. And so she was like, You're an INFJ. I don't care what the test says. And then she's like, "Here are the cognitive functions." Uh, and that's where it took us. And the sixteen types made me feel more seen than anything ever has. Like no one has described me so accurately as a simple prof- pro- like a simple kind of description and cognitive function descriptions. It's just so spot on. It kind of gives you goosebumps or chills because n- no one who knows you, can describe you even 1% as accurately as a, the results from this this indicator. So yeah. that's yeah. where it
0: started. So she, um, I'm guessing she just like uh, was like super into it and just like dropped the whole thing on you and was like, here, have this and just like threw it on you. You're like, yeah, okay. I, yeah. Uh,
1: It it was thrown on to me, because she was really excited about this new thing she was learning, so she wanted to apply it to everything that she knew. Yeah.
0: And So it depends
1: on this obsession, a mutual obsession that we would talk about all the time. It's like when you see the color white, you can't unsee white, but white's not a color, so never mind. Wait, or (laughs) is it a color? (laughs) It's a shade.
0: White, gray, and black are all shades. Um... (laughs) If if you were to ask the people within the artist community, that is what they would say. Um, so, this was uh, her essentially dropping uh, all of this onto you is then what would lead you into becoming a certified practitioner in MBTI, um, I'm guessing.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It was this fascination with wanting to figure out the world through a framework that was accurate. Yeah, it was had a lot of explanatory power. My mother is a very classic ESFP and my dad is a very classic ISTJ and how chillingly you can know them without knowing them, just through reading a basic description is scary. They are so picturesque, so stereotypical. That it makes me like strengthen my belief in type, because it's like, wow, it's right in front of me all the time. Like you, you, really can't unsee it when you see it in the people around you.
0: This actually brings me to a interesting question because of what you said and like how accurately it portrays. There are people out there who consistently say that MBTI isn't accurate, that it's a pseudoscience that you can't trust it fully uh what are your thoughts around those kinds of discussions I'm pretty sure you've gotten some of those comments as well because I know I have gotten some of those comments um so what are your thoughts when somebody comes up to you and is like MBTI isn't real or it's just like astrology or Um, it's a pseudoscience, you can't take it seriously. Um, you have to take it kind of ironically. Like, what are, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think, one, I wonder if they're mistyped. So sometimes people get their code wrong by one or two or three letters, and so maybe they don't resonate with their result because self-reports are just not accurate. Whether or not the, how much they know about the theory, self-reporting is flawed. And the second thing I would think is with the, you don't know the tool until you know the cognitive functions. So people are invalidating it before they even know what it is. I've, I've seen people try to quote arguments against these 16 types from Carl Jung. You know, it's it's the Carl Jung quote, no one can be a full introvert or extrovert. Such an individual would be in an insane asylum. Yeah. And they're like, the type can exist. And I'm like, you totally took what Carl Jung said out of context. Carl Jung actually said that to prove that type exists, because the cognitive functions show that you're not a pure introvert or pure extrovert, because you have a mix of introverted and extroverted functions. And it's kind of like people do so little research, it kind of shows their agenda, they just kind of want to bash on type without knowing about it. And so it's kind of like, all right, everyone's entitled to their opinion. if. If people actually gave it a chance, I think there would be a lot of theoretical prowess that it would have. Like, it really shows why you do the things that you do, the cognitive reasoning behind your actions. And I think everyone fits within the types. They may not be exact carbon copies of each other because there's infinite variation within a type, but the way that it explains, the way that you think, is so scary that it is fascinating. It It's a very archetypical study of human beings. And I've become fascinated with the study of archetypes because it like it literally everyone can kind of fit into these 16 types. And when they don't feel that correct fit, it's either they don't understand the theory well enough or they have miscar- mistyped themselves because pe- there's a culture of test worship. So people take a test on 16 mm-hmm. personalities and then they yeah. trust it like it's gospel. They're like, yes, this test told me I am this. So I'm for sure this." And I'm like, most people are mistyped from 16 personalities <laughs> because the test favors introvert and intuitive types. So, yeah. And then I don't want to correct them. So I just
0: yeah, sit there. It's, it's interesting <laughs> that you say that because I was talking to an ENTJ and, um... I found out that she had uh, taken the test on 16 personalities and she had seen me mocking 16 personalities for how bad it is. Like some of the descriptions that they have for each type, they're great. Like the descriptions they have for some of the types are pretty good. Like, not going to lie, like they're the, the descriptions. Good. The test leaves oh whole lot to be desired like so much to be desired and it is like one of the most flawed tests out there because it shows like i think if i had to blame anybody for bringing back about a intuitive bias it would i would probably start with 16 personalities myself um because that's where i've seen most of it come from is from people who have taken the test from 16 personalities um And then, so then I got her to uh, take other tests on sort of more reputable sites, but still, like, every test needs to be taken with a grain of salt. And uh, then I got her to kind of look at the cognitive functions and, like, uh, so she's been, like, reading and studying it enough to know that she is a ENTJ. Um, But it, it was just, like, so interesting, like, It's like the Kill Bill sirens go off when I hear somebody says they've taken the test on 60 personalities. Which is, like, horrible because I've taken the test on 16 personalities, but it wasn't the first place I went. Um, Years before, actually, I had gone to two... I want to say two or three other sites that existed before 16 Personalities existed. I can't remember the name of those sites, so I'd have a hard time uh, finding them. One of them was the, uh, I know one of them was the Kersey uh, Type Temperaments. Uh, That's been around since I've been in high school, so that's interesting. Uh, And I think even before that, it's been around for a while. Um, So yeah, like just, so, the the previous test that I've taken, before 16 Personalities, said I was a 9FP. I kind of just brushed it off. I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting, la 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 la, la. brushed it off, and then I got the book, um, I think the book is called Type Talks? Which is kind of ironic, because that's essentially the uh, channel that you run, um and it essentially went over this was when I was in college it went over like the types and then I got INFP again because the book has its own little thing and then after that I believe I took the 16 personalities test got INFP again and so for me it's always been no matter where I take it it's always been consistently INFP then I got into cognitive functions and all of that <laughs> and yeah. I feel like uh people uh, as you said, they don't understand. They, I think, because if there's no hard science or if there's no hard evidence or whatever, they're like, "Well, obviously, it's just a pseudoscience and it is never to be trusted." And I'm going, "Okay, but if it's just a pseudoscience, then why is it so accurate with so many?" people and then that got me to thinking that um would some of it be or could some of it be brought into neuroscience and I remember you mentioning something along those lines so if you want to explain a little bit further on that uh ground because you know a lot more you've actually talked to the guy I believe um who's doing it so if you want to like explain a little bit on that
1: yeah so there are ways to map your type to your brain for instance extroverted intuition looks like a christmas tree lighting up in your head you know ni looks like a zen pattern te people they use as minimal brain activity as possible because they're efficient with their brain and that shows in brain scans Um, with fi people their listening centers fire more in their brain and With TI people, they're analyzing part of their brain fires off more. And with SI, the reviewing part of your brain fires off more, and the specialization part. And so there are definite correlations between the functions and between brain patterns. And I would like to one day perhaps add to, I don't know, the literature or the, the the stuff behind type to make it more credible. One of the ways that I'm doing that right now is I'm writing 16 personality descriptions right now, uh, starting with ISFP, ESFP, INFJ, and ENFP. But I'm going to go through all the types. And so they're individual books and it's it's me writing with one person from that type. And then, so that's the first book. And then the second book on top of that will be that base description that i wrote with the other person but i'm going to crowdsource it with everyone i know who is of that type so it's going to be descriptions written by people of that type and perhaps that might create more accurate descriptions especially sensor descriptions and that might bring more credibility to the space when the descriptions are accurate and people can see themselves in it it might make people go like this is a real thing this is an actual like (laughs)
0: thing so uh so each of these books that you're going to be writing is so like you're writing on the 16 personality types and each one is going to be dedicated to a personality type Um, Mm -hmm. and uh what you you're wanting to do is essentially Uh, if i got this correctly is like find a bunch of people of that type get some quotes or whatever from them put those into the book so that i'm guessing people can see the correlation and how they kind of match up with others of their same type so that people can kind of get the mm, i would say feeling uh yeah
1: Huh, they're gonna be crowdsourced books, so not just quotes from people, okay. but we're gonna read it with people. but I'm gonna be like the the final I guess arbitrator and the other person who initially wrote the first book we're gonna vet the contributions to the second book, uh, but it's oh. gonna be crowdsourced
0: okay sure that's uh that's quite the uh, big endeavor that you've got uh, going on for you and um was it because of the um I would say, miscommunication or misunderstandings that you've noticed within the sphere that made you want to do this?
1: Yeah, I feel like the reason why censors sometimes mistype as intuitive types too is because when they read a sensor description, it sounds really one-dimensional because it's really people who aren't that type writing about that type and then trying to go like, you are this, and then they don't relate to it, and then they brush off type. And so to prevent that cycle from happening, I think... Like what i want to do is i want to create books by the people of the type so they are more accurately written and so it does the type justice i always want to be able to represent people's experiences as accurately as and, and as humanly as possible and so i kind of want people to see themselves in the profiles and i kind of want to make them a little more personal too so i want to go for a more humans of new york style of okay. talking about the type too so because they're first-hand accounts, they're going to have perhaps a humanness to them. Almost like you're hearing a person talk about their whole life and you're following them on a journey. So books that feel like movies because you're connecting with the author because the author writes it in such a human way that you're able to see your own humanness through their humanness.
0: Okay, th- okay. so it's kind of like a journalistic... Um interview type process put into book form, uh, where you go and talk and to each person of whatever type and like essentially, um, in some ways follow their day in life and thought process of how they are in that type.
1: Yeah, yeah. So even if you aren't of that type and you read it, you're kind of like, Oh, this is how that person thinks. And maybe a book that can bring you to tears because then you understand how someone else operates.
0: And you're, um, you, uh, I'm guessing sensors is one of the ones that you're starting with. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Like if you notice on my channel right now, I'm focusing on the sensorial types. because I don't feel like they're represented well enough in the community so giving them a voice is one of my main
0: missions. (laughs) It's uh yeah like um there are two things there it's kind of interesting how people tend to uh and like I since I've kind of moved on from like um that discourse if you will I do know it exists but I've kind of moved on from it. Uh, So I haven't noticed it as highly uh, that sensors are kind of not seen as high as intuitives. Like people won't necessarily say they're stupid, but they will say, well, they're not stupid, but they're not as smart as us intuitives. And then, but if there's like an intuitive that they don't like, they'll be like, "But those sensors are smarter than those intuitives." And uh, so, I've I've seen yeah. that before. And so, yeah, it does make sense that like there's a lot more going on with sensors than people are willing to give them credit for. Which brings me to my next question: You have been raised by parents who are sensors, um, so. How was that for you as an intuitive being surrounded by such classical uh, sensors that like essentially allowed you to get this mindset that what people are saying about sensors aren't exactly maybe all that accurate?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And before I answer that, i just like to comment off of what you just said. You talked about the us versus them mentality. And I find like people in general, they use any opportunity they can to kind of find that line of, you know, ranking people like we are better than them or they are better than us, which I want to spend my whole life trying to go against because I want people to feel a sense of oneness with everyone else. Otherwise, there's a there causes a dehumanization so when we start to add certain qualities that are better or worse with different types we create a hierarchy when we create hierarchies some people are better or more valuable than others and then it becomes problematic because it's a tool used for discrimination and boxing people in which is the very things i want to go against because that means the people critiquing the community have some sort of merit if they're seeing this type of behavior that's toxic i just want to get rid of all the toxicity because type is kind of like a gun <laughs> so you can use a gun to protect yourself in your home or you can use it to shoot other people
0: or can and you I can just... hurt yourself
1: yeah exactly and so i i want it to be used in a way that's productive that causes more good in the world than bad and so i i, I see the us first thumb mentality is something that is something that might need a little more healthy uh, revisiting and fixing on on the community's part and on my part too so that we make it like the, the 16 types are equal because they are equal and they're good and bad in their own ways and that brings me back to bro- growing up with censors <laughs> so let's start with the traditional Asian family so as a as an INFJ, I might seem like I'm a little more thinkery than what you would expect from an INFJ, and that's because yeah. of my Asian upbringing. You know, I've never been told "I love you" ever in my life. I've, my parents have never said. That. How, how, <laughs> My parents have never said how are you to me once ever never inquired anything they know nothing about my life they don't even know my age if I were to ask them about my age they might get it wrong they don't they don't ever say hi or bye to me in interactions it's more like very transactional so they're like your food and then so my whole life has kind of felt like a, a, a cow that has been getting food from the farmer but just waiting to be slaughtered right so if you factor that in you might know where some of that weird Ti heavy INFJ vibes come from. It, it comes from part, part a little bit of abuse, but two, you kind of adapt to your environment too. So that that's where it comes from. And so, reason why I'm so passionate about you know sensors and how they're misrepresented is because, in some ways, um, my mom is smarter than me. Like her superpower is just in a different domain. So we are smarter in different areas she has always been quicker to have common sense in situations she's better with day-to-day tasks she is also she's around 70 now but she has the reflexes of someone who's 20 and it's because she just always is improvising and adapting and using her brain in new ways and so she's still quick on her feet and she's very energetic and youthful and childlike and people like her like when you meet my mom she is someone who is instantly likable. She can talk to any stranger, so she has that ability. <clears throat> and she can work a room. Um, and And she is very spontaneous, and so her superpowers lie in those, those areas. Um, and I noticed that there's also, like, my family, there's a bit of a power struggle as well. So my mom notices how my dad, who's an SI dom, has slower reflexes than she does, and like, she'll judge it. She'll go, like, me and your bro- my, my brother, so she'll say that um, her and my brother are both SE doms, and so she'll say, me and your brother are so fast with how we respond to situations, because with whatever crisis situation, my mom and my brother are just quick to react, and quick to kind of fix it, or quick to improvise. Whereas my dad will freak out and sometimes he'll have a hissy fit. He'll go like with his, um, he's an unhealthy ISTJ, okay? So this doesn't apply for all of them. He'll have a... Pissy fit a little FI meltdown sometimes and go for two hours monologuing about how the situation sucks and Both my mom hates negative people and she likes to stay happy and so when she's around my dad Oh my gosh, she goes crazy And so all of this family conflict that we have if we knew about the 16 types if my if I talked to my family and if they knew about it Maybe they judge each other less because my mom would be able to see that. Oh, you know my dad's just like that because he needs a little warning before things change dramatically like if my mom buys two cats she can't just surprise my dad one day with them she has to tell him in advance because he's an ISTJ well not all ISTJs right but with my dad's flavor of ISTJ my mom will even like she'll do home renovations last minute so last minute we're tiling the entire top of our house it costs $30,000 and Uh... she did not tell anyone and she's just doing it and then my dad will have a meltdown because he was not expecting that and it is unplanned. So if my mom just understood the 16 types and understood my dad's need for structure and needing to know things beforehand, it would cause a lot less friction and fighting and a lot of um, Chinese arguments. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So that's why I'm so passionate about type because we all have our superpower. It all is in different areas. And if we stopped seeing where other people were deficient, I noticed there's a really big shame game with a lot of unhealthy, toxic dynamics. Instead of seeing that you are better in some areas, people are more likely to go like you are lacking in these areas. So a, a big part with life growing up was I think with a all of my family members are sensing dominance so they're not even like intuitive like third or second slot right so oftentimes i would i really suck at day-to-day tasks i don't care about them and they take up mental faculty faculties i could be having on abstract topics or philosophical conversation or the meaning of life as a whole
0: I feel you.
1: yeah and that causes judgment because my parents and my family members are already Focused on the practical, the day to day, what's applicable, what's right now. And so I've never focused on that. It's never been an area of importance. And that's always been an area where they've looked down on me. And it's created a lot of actual, like, shame. And so I think that typology is really good at finding a way to take away the shame that you've been feeling for your entire life. You know, people throughout our entire lives, have been shaming us for not being like them. Mm. So when we're able to know what type, we're like, oh, it's okay to not be like them. You have these beautiful, beautiful skills in another area. The reason why you're not like them is because your brain works on another area of expertise and that you have a beauty that maybe no one else sees around you. The 16 types say that exist. So one of the things i really liked about uh, typology is that it lays out to you your gifts that you give to the world your divine design so it represents your strength somewhere people kind of need representation to feel permission and so when you see a description of your type and you see oh these are my strengths or these are what i'm good at you then feel permission to be more of that and that is really important for full-hearted embrace of who you are. Otherwise, if you spend your whole life fighting yourself, that's not really a life. That's just really you going against your own nature when you could really be working with yourself. And so I think type really helps us work with ourselves better. if We use it in the right way and we don't use it to shoot other people. Yeah. <laughs> Back yeah. to the-
0: it's, uh, it's very true that type has, it can be very helpful and discovering who we are how why and basically all the five w's and the one h the who what when where why and how uh people act and will should in theory uh help us get along better but doesn't always necessarily end up that way um which uh is unfortunate but that's just kind of like how human behavior is And I'm guessing because of this passion, even though you do kind of uh, get soft spoken at times, and especially when you're like interviewing others of uh, different types, and some of it is listening, but some of it is just like people being so excited that, you know, you don't know where you can jump in. Uh, What led you to um, wanting to create the YouTube channel, even though um, it was essentially a little bit more difficult for you starting off?
1: Yeah, there's nothing more fulfilling to me than a sense of community. So I like the friendship that is a side effect from creating YouTube videos. You know, people sometimes ask, like, why do you keep making YouTube videos? And I'm like, it doesn't feel like a chore. It feels like a gathering of friendship and I'm all about bonding. I'm all about connecting. I'm all about feeling closer and more intimate with your friends. And what better way to do that than to talk about my favorite topic of all time, which is typology. It's a win-win in, in my in my eyes. And so I don't see it as work. I see it as fun. And it just happens that other people are, uh, for some reason, like watching it too. So. (laughs) Okay, why not?
0: And I'm guessing it like, it tickles that, uh, fee nature, uh, that's happens to be in your, Uh, secondary auxiliary function as uh, one would say and because it's in your secondary function you're like yes i get to learn more about people and talk to them and have a sense of community and yes my fee likes this and my nai says that i can take this places so i'm going to do what my fee likes and what my nai foresees in like future stuff and do this wonderful thing that i enjoy talking about and, um, which is, you know, it's a, like, somebody said that, I think it was the, quoted by Willy Wonka, you often see it, um, you often see Willy Wonka with this post, where it's, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, and I'm guessing that's kind of, like, the feeling you get is, like, why is this work when I'm talking with a bunch of people who's talking about my favorite things who I can become friends with and discover more about and just have this wonderful sense of community that I can deal with and, like, be brought forward. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's not work. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. it feels like it's a mutual growth. So I grow with people and people grow with me because when you talk to people, you always learn something new. And I find like I've read every typology book on earth and eventually it gets bland. You realize that people regurgitate everything and you're like, I love this typology so much, but reading will only get you so far because people just copy and paste from other sources. But I find when you talk to people, they always bring something new to the table, and someone who loves continuous learning like I do, really, I really love the roundtable format because then we're able to arrive at something transformative together. Because I find when two, two souls interact, both are transformed, and I'm aiming to transform as much as I humanly can within this lifetime. And type talks just so happens to help with that. And so I kind of embrace the philosophy, if you can't leave it, marry it. Okay. And so type is that to me. So if I can't leave type, I see it everywhere, it might as well marry
0: Part of it. Yeah. And um, that that is uh something that I like aside from so as an INFP, I hate uh I think it might be due to the fact that my Uh, psi and T are my third and fourth function. Uh, I hate minute details. I hate having to like go into like the nitty gritty of things. I like the process. I kind like coming up with ideas. I like doing, you know, fun things that I can like come up with with those ideas. And I don't necessarily enjoy... Um, so, like, when writing a story, I enjoy writing the story. I do not enjoy editing the story. I do not enjoy grammar-checking the story. I enjoy the process of writing it when doing a video. I enjoy the process of doing the video. I do not enjoy the process of editing it. I do not even enjoy... Like, I like to enjoy the process of, like, making even thumbnails more because that can be, like, a little bit artistic and you can put... But even that, I realize that I'm not the greatest at. So, um how so with because everything has um i guess you can say some form of duality um so with you talking to like other people and like not considering it work, uh, is there a facet for you? So for me, I don't like editing and that's the part that I consider work and I hate above everything else, but I do it because it's a necessary thing to do in order to put videos on. Is there like something in your sphere that you're like, okay, I love doing this thing, but there's this one thing I really don't wanna do.
1: I don't like editing. That's a pain in the ass. Okay. it's it's painful adding in pictures adding in like stuff to the video I would like it if it were a shorter video but considering like how long my videos are it feels like an eternity but it's a necessary evil like I'm willing to brace the editing process I kind of make video editing a one-day marathon okay. so I'm like I I kind of tell my viewers I'm going to be premiering this video on this day and then I'm like, oh, I set it into the universe, now I can't take it back, all right, Joyce, you gotta commit to it. And so then what I did was I'll just spend one day, I'm like, whatever I end up editing is whatever I end up editing, you're posting this, so it kind of prevents perfectionism because I'm very prone to perfectionism and I know that if I let it control me, I won't produce anything. And so I set myself like a one-day limit, I'm like, you have one day to edit this? And whatever you end up doing is whatever you're going to post. And it's okay in whatever form it comes out as. Because I think even if my editing skills were like downright terrible, the things that people say are beautiful works of art. And so even if I post it in it's a slightly raw state, it right. will still have some sort of value.
0: So um, like listening to all of this, I there's like a lot like so... Okay, I have to back up because my mind's going like a thousand different places all at once. So I have to kind of reel it back in. Um,
1: your, your extroverted intuition. Yes, is
0: a- <laughs> yes, it, it's having a moment. Um, so with uh, INFPs and INFJs, there is this state or saying frequently across all the boards that they have a lot of similar characteristics, despite being very different from one another. Um, and just, like, noticing that you have, like, some of the same hatred towards editing or dislike. Not hatred, maybe a strong word, but a dislike towards it. And uh like a lot of other similar things where i'm just like oh yeah i definitely relate to that um and there's like a lot of things that infps and infjs do relate to Uh, which can lead into mistypes because uh, somebody once said that an INFJ is more likely to look like an INTJ than an INFP because they share the same dominant function and the theory was that that people who share the same dominant function can be more easily mistaken for one another because of that dominant function Um, but in regards to INFJs and INFPs uh, where would you say, like, with the sim- similarities, um, and di- like, where would you say for yourself that you've noticed talking to other INFPs and talking to other INFJs, yourself included, um, what are some personal differences that you've noticed?
1: Yeah. I find the more dichotomies you share, the more you surface level look like that type. I know people say, how could you ever misinterpret an INFP for an INFJ They have completely opposite cognitive functions? I've thought about that statement a lot, and I realized that no, actually, types that have more dichotomies similar are very similar, even if they share no cognitive functions. So for instance, uh, an ESTP can look a lot like an ESTJ. Even if they share zero cognitive functions, the sharing of three dichotomies You might notice. Oh, you know, they talk a lot about the what you know, the facts of the reality So, okay, they they are very clearly an extrovert they're very clearly a thinking type that's more blunt and sensitive. And so sometimes people do mix ESTPs and ESTJs together, even though they share zero cognitive functions. Now, I find that cognitive functions show your cognitive reasoning. So while an INFP and INFJ might look similar in some of the cases when they're kind of borderline, their cognitive reasoning will always be very, 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 very different. And that's where the difference comes. But if you're looking at the surface-level traits, it's very easy to mix together types that have share more dichotomies together. So an INFJ could look like an ISFJ, or an INFJ could look like an ITJ, could look like an ENFJ, INFP. These are like slightly different dichotomy-wise. And I know this is a very unpopular take, but I realize, like from interviewing people, it's what I see as the most true and but when you listen to how they go through situations and their thought process behind situations infps and infjs are so radically different you're like whoa these cannot be the same person
0: yeah like i think one of the things that um infps are and i know for myself are far more i guess you could say individualistic Um, They don't necessarily care about like if they're in a group dynamic, yes, like they'll care about the group dynamic, but they don't really care about the group dynamic. They just care that is there conflict? Yes, no okay and if there is conflict why is there conflict and it's more on a personal level it's not a okay let's get this group to respond and be together and be uh friendly with each other um I've noticed like at least with myself and uh, other FI types is if there is a conflict depending on where it hits in the value system or how they feel there is going to be a kind of flight or fight response where either they're going to fight and start defending or arguing back or then they're just going to leave the entire situation and walk away whereas a fee user is going to at least from what i've witnessed is going to try and get them to um behave if you will or become friendly if you will try and get the room to be nice and like try and lessen down the conflict and make sure that no conflict happens and make sure everything is in a certain way which um You've stated before that you don't like conflict and you try and put people that you know won't have conflict with one another in your interviews uh, so that you can have a pleasant, friendly conversation, even if that conversation does get passionate, which it often does, especially amongst perceivers. If you watch a lot of your uh, perceiving videos, whether it be INFP, ENFP, ESTP, ESFP perceivers are just a bundle of chaos and um which i guess will bring me to the last question is that i'm going to assume and you can correct me if i'm wrong that you like some semblance of order and you like some sense of structure uh how are you with Um, Like, I'm sure you find some of it fun to watch and could probably wish you could have some popcorn to eat while you're watching the whole thing go down because it's just absolutely so fascinating. It doesn't even have to be an argument, but, like, the passion um, that perceivers often bring to a conversation, especially if it's a favorite conversation or something they're super passionate about, can be extraordinarily entertaining to watch. Uh, But, like, how do you feel about that whole chaos and order thing that goes between judges and perceivers.
1: Absolutely. I find it very fascinating. And so if you put it into the context of type talks, the purpose of the videos is to showcase the types. So I'm okay with chaos because it shows the type more clearly and more naturally. And so you can actually pinpoint the aura or the vibe of the type. And so the moment where I want to rein it in is when it's not showing the type anymore and I'm like, all right, this is just a random topic about noodles, we got to make it a little more type related now, because <laughs> P-types, uh, what SE and NE are known for is channel changing, so they'll, they'll go like, oh, shiny object, shiny to- conversational topic, oh, yeah, and I kind of have to make sure there's a direction that the train has a track to go on. <laughs> And so I find the relationship between J J and P very interesting, especially if it's a TJ. So if it's a TJ type, they're even more stereotypically judger because they're going to want to structure things. And it's very fascinating when you throw chaos their way. I've had TJs that I have talked to that originally considered maybe them being EPs. And then we're like, no, no, no. When you improvise chaos, that I mean, when you plan to have fun or when you structure time for fun, that does not mean that you're spontaneous. Truly spontaneous people don't uh, structure time to be spontaneous. They just naturally are that. They embody it, and that's the difference. And I find it funny when like T J thinks that they've turned into a P type because they're able to, like. Tell their brains at a certain moment, "Hey, I'm gonna be fun." That's not that's not the same. <laughs> You're comparing apples to oranges. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: Did it's uh, it's it's funny that you mention, and we'll leave off with uh, this last comment. Um, that you mentioned spontaneous because one of when I had a friend in high school when I got him a Xbox three sixty, uh he was um we were at the game store and i noticed these games on the bin and i'm like oh i don't have these games these games are apparently pretty good i'm gonna grab these and he just he looks at me and he goes you know if there was a picture for impulsive in the dictionary that would be you uh because like the things that i do they don't have a plan i am very poor with scheduling i don't go okay this moment i'm gonna be this I'll be like, oh, this moment, I'm going to be this. And then I don't do it. It doesn't happen. Um, Like, I'll be trying to do things, videos, whatever, uh, shopping, doesn't matter what. I'll be like, okay, on this day, I'm going to go and do this. And then immediately, spontaneously go and do something completely different. And uh, it is a very, it's part of the nature where one is able to tell themselves and one of them is just naturally that so uh anyways thank you for uh joining us on this lovely interview i hope you had somewhat of a good time even though um we went all kinds of places but it was a good uh, conversation i feel and uh, people got to know a little bit about your passion uh, and why you're so passionate towards it um that they may not uh have seen before or realized before so yes thanks for coming on
1: thanks for talking with me samuel it's been a fun time
0: and i will see you guys later Bye bye
1: bye